Welcome to the Elmer EMC podcast. We want to support you on your journey with God. So here's this week's teaching. Well, good morning, uh, family uh, of AEMC and friends of uh, our church. It's uh, good to be with you again. I just want to, uh, before we get started, uh, let you all know that uh, Norma Stacy is in hospital. Uh, she went in earlier in the week and is still there. Uh, they're running all kinds of tests on her. Uh, she's not feeling the greatest, so um, I would ask you to keep Norma in your prayers, as well as the Lusby family, who are still uh, just one week out from uh, having had Scott's funeral. And so with that, I would just like to have a prayer and then uh, get started right into the message for today. So Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your grace that is greater than all of our sin and greater than all of our sorrows or suffering. Uh, We pray today for Norma uh, as she is in hospital that your hand would be upon her Uh, that you would raise her up, that you would be with those who are giving care to her. We pray uh, for uh, Gina and uh, and her family, uh, still very much um, grieving the loss of Scott, and uh, pray that your good hand would be upon them and upon all of our church family. Uh, These are challenging times, and with um, COVID case counts and variants uh, rising in our province, we pray that you would grant wisdom to those who are uh, giving governmental and health department leadership. May we be truly in the midst of this pestilence, truly the people of God, sealed as, as certified genuine sons and daughters of yours and protected by you. So watch over us today as we engage with your word and we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, I wonder how many of you uh, have watched this program. It's been five seasons, I believe, maybe going into their sixth uh, called This Is Us. Uh, Full disclosure, I have never watched even an episode of This Is Us. But I did a little reading to uh, get a a feeling for the general drift of uh, the series. And and within this, within all the the characters, uh, the series does a lot of flashbacks in the lives of these these people uh, to kind of make sense of where they are in their lives now. And, And so I... Uh, learned this morning, they also do uh, flash forwards to to look ahead at future uh, destiny, and um, you know all of this to make sense of their present lives and possible destinies. And really, my interest in this is us uh, was to steal the title. Uh, so full disclosure, right there. But I'm I'm intrigued by what I read about the flow of this particular series. Now, this is part of us, my us, in in the present. Meet Katie's husband, Dan. And you already know Katie, and you know Gabby and Emma, my grandchildren. Uh, Dan's parents are there, Ivan and Helen, and uh, Dan's brother, Andrew, and wife, Lauren, and their three kids whose names I can't remember. So if you're watching... uh, uh, Lauren, uh, please forgive me, uh, but, uh, but there they are. Now, being serious is apparently not uh, this family's long, strong suit. But you know, I love each one of them. 
they're part of our us, Beth and my, Beth and my us. And it's been cool uh, in recent times to hear the stories of how they, they all emerged as the people they are uh, in the present. But what will their and, and what will our future hold? Revelation 7 portrays us in the future, in God's good future, predicated on a saving relationship with Jesus in the present. And you see, what God does with us is He gathers up all of our past and present, forgiving and redeeming the past as well as the sins of the present. And this is the future of us. All of the current us, and, and more than just us. All of us. There, before the throne of the Lamb. This is us, in God's eyes, in God's good and beautiful future. And we read all about it in Revelation 7. And so let me, uh, let me read these verses. Beginning at verse 9. After this I looked, and there was a great multitude that no one could count. From every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne... And before the Lamb, robed in white, with palm branches in their hands, they cried out in a loud voice, saying, or were they singing? We sing it. Salvation belongs to our God, who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels stood around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, singing, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these, robed in white, and where have they come from? I said to him, Sir, you are the one that knows. And then he said to me, These are they who have come out of the great ordeal. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. For this reason, they are before the throne of God and worship Him day and night within His temple. And the one who is seated on the throne will shelter them. They will hunger no more and thirst no more. The sun will not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. And he will guide them to springs of the water of life. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. The holy, authoritative, inspired word of God concerning the future of us. So, John starts, after this I looked and lo and behold a huge gathering which no one could count. I mean, the, the first part of, of chapter 7 in that uh, the, the earlier verses, the full number, the 144,000, a number symbolizing and signifying enormous fullness and completion, uh, the, the, the fullness of Israel, if you like, the full number of God's servants. They've been sealed, they've been certified as genuine, and they're protected from the fierce winds of judgment about to be unleashed. You've got four angels uh, being told to hold back the four winds of the fierce uh, 
judgment as the horsemen of apocalyptic terror have been wreaking havoc on the earth with pestilence and famine and war and doing battle against the rider on the white horse, the Lord Jesus, the victorious one who is conquering in spite of all that is arrayed against him and his people. And yet, in the midst of that, there are in seal five souls under the altar crying out, how long, O Lord? They've been persecuted. They've been uh, executed. And they're wondering whether God is ever going to act to bring vindication. And the answer to all of this really comes in chapter 7. So the full number have been sealed, they're certified, they're protected, they have the Spirit. And we saw a connection between being sealed and having the Holy Spirit within as the guarantee of the redemption uh, to come, the fullness of, of God's purposes and plan being realized, and the Spirit in us is the guarantee of that, along with Interestingly, the capacity to stand firm in faith. Paul links those two things together and Revelation 7 uh, gives us a picture of these things together. And so these ones, they have the Spirit. The second death can never claim them. And John hears this number and then he turns and he looks and lo and behold, a huge gathering which no one could possibly count from Every tribe and nation and people and language, not just the 12 Israelite tribes that have been listed, but now every tribe and every kind of people group. This is us. We've arrived from everywhere. From everywhere. There is no uh, corner of the earth where God's presence and God's Spirit is not active. And even at this time, uh, when our, our Muslim neighbors and friends are um, celebrating their second pandemic, uh, Ramadan, it is so amazing to note that God has been at work in the Muslim world through, through signs and wonders and visions of Jesus. And as Ray mentioned a couple of weeks ago, through that means Numerous ones in Iran, of all places, are coming to Jesus. And they will be part of the us gathered there. We've arrived. Literally, absolutely, we've arrived. Are we there yet? The kids in the back seat uh, start saying about five minutes into a five-hour drive, are we there yet? No, we're not there yet. And no, we're not there yet. But this is the there. And we've arrived in this vision. We've arrived from everywhere and from all people groups. We're from everywhere and we are ready. We are ready to enter into our inheritance. Uh, you know, this was always God's heart, wasn't it? To give his son an inheritance. In Psalm 2, I will put my king on my holy hill of Zion and I will say to him, ask of me and I will give the nations as your inheritance. It was always God's plan from the promise given to Abraham that through your 
descendants, through your seed, and ultimately through the seed, singular, Jesus, all nations will be blessed and brought into God's purposes and plans. And what a beautiful purpose and plan it has been from the get-go. Always his, his plan to give his son an inheritance from every nation and language. And now here we are bringing the very best of our redeemed selves and our redeemed cultures and the contributions that every people group has to bring and offering it up to the Lamb upon His throne. As the song we sing, written by uh, our modern hymn writers, Keith and Kristen Getty, and Christ shall have the prize for which He died, an inheritance of nations. Beautiful. Here we are. This is us. And we're standing. They were standing in front of the throne and in front of the Lamb. They were dressed in white robes, holding palm branches in their hands. We're standing. Revelation 6 ends with the question, in light of the fierce wrath of, of God and the Lamb and, and all that is, all the earth-shattering events taking place through the opening of the sixth seal and people crying out to the rocks and the hills to fall on them and hide them from the wrath because the day of his wrath and judgment has come and who can stand? Well, who's, who can stand? We're standing. We can. Revelation 7 gives the answer to that question. We can stand and we will stand and not, not just standing with our hands in our pockets, kind of Shifting from side to side, maybe a little bored, maybe not knowing what's going on. No, no, hands, hands raised, hands not in our pockets, but with festal palms. You know, that kind of reminds us of Palm Sunday. It reminds us of, of the joyful songs of ascent found in in uh, Psalms, in the in the one one in through the one hundred and whatever, 17th or 18th through about 132 or 3, songs of ascent as the people were making their pilgrimage to Jerusalem, these psalms would be said or sung. And there's 118 with the people waving the festal palms uh, and shouting, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Well, he came and he redeemed and now we're no longer singing and shouting, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. No, he already came. No, we're dressed for celebration. Singing the new song of the Lamb. That's what we're singing now in this vision of our good and God-blessed future. Uh, they were shouting at the top of their voices. And I guess maybe the ones that could sing, maybe we're singing it. But what was their song? What was the lyric? We, we sing this song. Salvation belongs to our God and to the one who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. When we in that day, and when in that day we sing that new song of the Lamb, you know what's going to happen? Uh, it, it causes, we cause a reaction and a response. Now, uh, when we praise, does anything happen? When we worship, does anything happen? Psalm 8 says, Out of the mouths of, 
the, 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 the smallest and the youngest among us. You have perfected praise, which is capable of silencing the, the ungodly. I forget the exact language. Look it up. Psalm 8. Silence the foe and the avenger. There it is. My mental concordance went off and we found the passage and nailed it. But, but uh, there, there's going to be a reaction and a response. And as I said, even now when we praise, there is a reaction and a response. Uh, God lifting people out of slimy pits is a response to the worship of God's people. But on that day... Angels and elders and creatures, perhaps representing all creation. All the angels who were standing around the throne and the elders and the four creatures fell down. They were standing. And we're standing and we start to shout and sing and celebrate with the festal palms. The new song of the Lamb and those elders, angels and, and creatures who were standing now, they fall down on their faces upon hearing the song of the redeemed, the song celebrating the salvation of God. And now they're on their faces before the throne, worshiping God. And they respond, yes, amen. They were saying blessing and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength and anything else be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Well, then an elder speaks up. A question he wants an answer to. Or is this a what we call a rhetorical question? That he knows the answer, and he wants to see if in asking it, John knows the answer. One of the elders spoke to me. Who are these people? Who are these people? Dressed all in white. Where have they come from? You know, John stands there. I think probably John's a bit bewildered by what he is seeing in this vision. And who wouldn't be? And he says, you tell me, sir. Surely you know. I, I just want to be sure. Did John have a sense of the answer? He might have, but maybe like some of us who shy away from responding to such questions, we kind of duck our heads behind the tallest person in front of us, which is very easy for folks like me to do, because we don't want to make a mistake. We, we want to get it right. And I don't know what was going through John's mind at this point, uh, but I do suspect that he is extremely bewildered, and who wouldn't be? Have you ever been in a revival meeting? I mean, a real revival meeting where God is at work and people are on their faces and maybe crying and, and maybe laughing for joy because of the forgiveness they've found. And, and it just, the, the regular order of a well-constructed worship service is set aside. Uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones, a great uh, English uh, pastor and preacher, uh, once quipped tongue-in-cheek, 
Imagine breaking up or, or coming against the well-oiled order of a properly formed worship service. Imagine that. What an, you know, and people say, yeah, that's an awful thing. But what Lloyd-Jones was saying, no, bring it on. Because when the Spirit of God moves, things happen. Phenomena sometimes take place. And lives are changed. A scene like this. You just think of the most awesome revival service that you've ever sat in. And it pales in comparison with what John sees and experiences. Tell me, you know, he says to the elder. And the elder immediately says, these are the ones. Ah, these are the ones who have come out of the great suffering. The version I read earlier uh, rendered it the great ordeal. Um, a number of translations, NIV included, says out of the great tribulation. They have washed. And the word is flipsis. We've heard that word before. Flipsis, meaning great pressure, great trouble, persecution, suffering. All rolled up in that uh, word that you need to stand back, increase the six feet of uh, social distance to say it. Great trouble, great suffering, great persecution, great ordeal. But these, they have washed their clothes. Well, we'll get to that in a minute. This is us. We've arrived from everywhere. We're dressed for celebration and singing the new song of the Lamb. We're able to sing that song the way we are because we have endured and we have emerged from great tribulation. That's who these people are. No wonder their celebration is so vibrant. I remember the first time that Beth and I were in Romania. We visited a Baptist seminary. And there weren't very many students. This was after the revolution. We encountered a, f a couple of guys, uh, one at least of whom had suffered during the communist regime under uh, dictator Nikolai Ceausescu. And the joy on their faces that that regime had come to an end and now there was a greater opportunity, so they thought, to move forward with the gospel and especially the one who had endured some suffering, the joy on his face and the vibrance in his dialogue with us. This is us having endured and emerged from great tribulation. As I said, it literally reads, the tribulation, the great one. Hothlipsis tastes megalase, something like that in the Greek. The tribulation, the great one. Now what is this a reference to? This warrants an entire sermon. And so I'm going to reserve this for next week. Now, generally speaking, though, um, you know, Jesus, for example, gave his apostles a heads up that in their lives there would be plenty of flipsis, plenty of pressure and trouble and tribulation. He says to them on the eve of his death, I've said these things to you so that you can have peace in me. 
you'll have trouble in the world. But be of good cheer. There's my King James coming out of me. Grew up with it. Be of good cheer. I have defeated the world. I have overcome the world. But in this world, you're going to have it in a variety of forms. They did. And only possibly one um, avoided martyrdom of that original group of of, uh, 12. Paul insists in his epistles, that that though the severity may at times be great, he says if we're children, we're also heirs, heirs of God, fellow heirs with the Messiah, as long as we, what? Have a merry old time. No, as long as we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified in him. This is how I work it out. The sufferings we go through in the present time are not worth putting in the scale alongside the glory that is to be unveiled for us. Though the severity may at times be great, it's not worth the comparison. He adds this in 2 Corinthians 4. He talks about, and we have that song, trading my sorrows, persecuted, not abandoned, and all all the stuff that, that Paul relates in, in that um, part of 2 Corinthians. But he says this, on the other end of that, we do not lose heart. Although we bear in our bodies the marks of Jesus, the evidence of suffering in his name, we do not lose heart. Even though our outer nature is wasting away, our inner nature is being renewed every day. For this slight momentary affliction. You might say, "Uh, Paul, don't minimize it. You know, it's not slight. And it doesn't seem to be very momentary. Uh, Do you have any idea, Paul, what I've been through and are currently going through? The suffering, the, the relationship difficulties, whatever it may be. The job loss, sickness. Do you have any idea, Paul? Paul would say, mm-hmm, I have some idea. Having been left for dead, having been stoned, and all manner of other things. And, and then Paul calls it this slight momentary affliction. You see, factor in Romans 8, and it's, it's slight and momentary in light of the comparison with the glory. And it's preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all measure. There it is again. Because we look not at what we can, can be seen, but at what cannot be seen. What can be seen right now is temporary. temporary, But what cannot be seen is eternal. These are the ones who have come out of great suffering, great tribulation. The seal, seal number five, souls under the altar are no longer crying out, Lord, how long? There is no more groaning after the manner of what Paul says in Romans 8. Sometimes we don't know what to pray and we end up just groaning. There's no longer any threat from those Jesus referred to who may be able to kill the body but cannot kill the soul. And even then, uh, the bodies they have killed, now they've been raised. So, so much for the worst that they could do. These are the ones 
who have come out of the great suffering. And more than that, they have washed their clothes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. So, this is us. From everywhere, ready and dressed for celebration, having endured and emerged from great tribulation and suffering. And now, we find ourselves dressed in blood-washed white robes, purified. The washing away of all of our sin and guilt and condemnation by the shed blood of Jesus. This is something that will never be forgotten for all of eternity. He will always bear in His resurrected body what the hymn calls rich wounds yet visible above in beauty glorified. And our white robes will ever remind us as per the words of Isaiah, come let us reason together says the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. So you see, in Christ, red applied to red results in white. That may break the laws of physics as we know them, but in terms of the spiritual laws, this is absolute and certain. Red on red results in white. And here we are now in blood-washed white robes, purified. And, and that is why it says they are there in front of God's throne, serving Him day and night in His temple. There before Him we stand with arms high and hearts abandoned, in awe of the One who gave it all. We stand, our souls now to You surrendered, All we are is yours as we stand before you, Jesus, justified, in blood-washed white robes purified, singing the new song of the Lamb together with the great I Am. We lift our eyes, behold your face, so very lost in wonder, love, and praise. And now, having emerged from great tribulation. We read that the one who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They will never be hungry again or thirsty again. The sun will not scorch them, nor will any fierce heat. The lamb who is in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. He leads me beside the still waters and restores my soul and all of that stuff that that David wrote of in Psalm 23 is now taken up and magnified beyond all comprehension. He will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of running water or living water Jesus said to the woman in the well, drink this water, you'll never be thirsty again. And here, in the new heaven and new earth, here's the source of that living water portrayed in vision. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. What brings tears to your eyes? Think of it. What brings tears to your eyes right now? What sorrow? What suffering? What agony? 
He will wipe away every tear. And the source of those tears, what causes them? He will wipe away the tears from your eyes and from mine. What a day that will be when we who have arrived from everywhere dressed and ready to sing the new song of the Lamb, having endured and emerged from great tribulation, find ourselves in blood wash, white robes purified, and we further find that in that moment, our troubles are forever over. Pie in the sky, in the great by and by, well, I like pie. I'm off pie right now, because... Pie doesn't do me any good right now. But I tell you, I'm in for this pie. I like it. I love it. Look, just because some people say, ah, it's pie in the sky and the great by and by doesn't mean it's not true. Because it's guaranteed by the one who died. The one who lives and ever lives to make intercession for us. The one who has committed to our full redemption, the one who has committed to returning again for his people, the one who is committed to opening up before us the realities of new heaven and new earth wherein dwells absolute righteousness and right-relatedness forever. It's guaranteed by the Lord Jesus himself. I often read this at funerals of those who know Jesus. You see, for these, every enemy's been subdued. Now sin's a thing of the past. New heaven and new earth come together at last. Now vanquished are the consequences of our great fall. All creation's now healed. And God is all in all. That is our hope. This is us. In a preview of what's to come, and will be more fully explicated and, and, and yet still in vision that is meant to cause our imaginations to go very godly and, ex- and, and in godly excess. But here's a preview of that. But for now, for now, trials and tribulations amid much hope, much joy, love and faith. Keith and Kristen Getty again in their song, When Trials Come, in the last verse, the lyric is, One day, all things will be made new. I'll see the hope you've called me to. And in your kingdom, paved with gold, I'll praise your faithfulness of old. Let me ask you, is this you on that day? Is this you? You know, Beth said to me when I began this series, people just want to know if they're going to make it or not. And in this chapter 7 of Revelation, here's God's answer to you. In Christ, all things will come together. In Christ, all of the ordeals that you now face and all the tears you now cry will be wiped away and you will stand firm, no longer needing faith, For all will be sight in that day. This is our hope. This is God's answer to you. May His answer presented in the imaginative way that it is cause you to humbly, joyfully ponder 
and meditate as the Spirit within you reveals more and more of the riches of His Word to you. Yes, you will make it by God's grace and for His glory. And I say that today in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening. We invite you to follow Jesus with us and join us on mission with him. We'd love for you to connect with us through our website, worship at aemc.com, or on Facebook. Just search for Aylmer EMC.